Hello and welcome back to the Elite Football Show. My name is Hayda and I'm your host. As usual today, I've got an absolute stellar cast of me. I've got Rob Blanchett, who's been on so many times now. He's a great friend of the show, brilliant May United fan. I'd like to say he's the voice of reason, although I like to think I'm the voice of reason, but I think he is really the voice of reason when it comes to United fans. I always feel better after talking to you, Rob. Rob, welcome back to the show. How are you feeling today? Yeah, I feel good. How are you? How are you guys? All right. Yeah, we're all good. And <laughs> I don't know if Dale is, but I uh, worked with Dale the other day on Awful United, and I just thought I have to get him on this show. So it's your first appearance, Dale, on the Elite Football Show. I loved your passion. I love your honesty. Welcome to the Elite Football Show. It's going to be a bit of a ride today. How are you doing? Good. Um, yeah, I'm sure we all have plenty to say. And that passion, it's, it's hard not to have it when you look at Manchester United and you see what's happening right in front of your eyes year after year. And they talk about structural change. But the, the the main thing behind it is what the owners want to do with this football club. And as fans, we are never, never going to be on the same wavelength as them. They want totally different things. We can complain about it year after year until they're gone. Nothing's going to change. Yeah, it's, it's a sad reality, really. And guys, look, if you really like our content, hit the like and subscribe button. We just did an interview with Jamie Jackson from The Guardian, which was fantastic. He goes in more onto, I guess, behind the scenes and Rob allows us to also have that insight. Uh, make sure you check out the Palestri video and you check out the Cavani video. That is fantastic with uh, Simon Edwards, South American journalist. So make sure you check that out. Let's just go straight into it. Rob, I'm going to start with you. Deadline day, United had one transfer in before that. And we spoke quite a few times about these COVID discounts. Did United really get any? I mean, when you look at what's happened, for me, look, I'm going to start with a negative first. United didn't get their first choice target. They didn't get a right winger in, a starting right winger. They didn't address the defensive problems. <laughs> that look, mm -hmm. I'll let you answer the Didn't address the defensive problems, I don't think. And although they bought Tellez and Cavani came in, I'm quite happy about Cavani. But on the whole, from where United were at the beginning of the summer and what we expected to come in and where we are at the end, what would you rate out of 10? Because I'm going to say a 5 out of 10. So I just don't think the problem areas were really addressed. Some exciting young talent, but not at all what we expected. When you look at Arsenal, for example, signing Partey, you see Chelsea doing quite a lot of business. So just tell me your thoughts on our transfers and on deadline day. Well, obviously everyone knows that Manchester United wasn't Jadon Sancho. And I think what we reported in the press and we've been talking about for maybe the last four or five weeks is that Manchester United were not going to put up the money that Dortmund wanted. So the only way that that would happen is with some kind of financial compromise. Uh, Dortmund were quite sticky with what they wanted. They wanted that 108 million. That's all they were going to do business at. I think for Ole and for Manchester United, the, the choice was, <clears throat> do you spend 100 million on one player or do you spend a lot less on five players? Now, Ultimately, I get that United fans are not going to be excited about this transfer window because they always want the big gun. <coughs> We'd bought Jadon Sancho. Does that suddenly make Manchester United a top two team? And as I've, as I've said countless times, no, I don't think it does. It gets us excited. It improves the attack. Does it make the back two centre-backs quicker? No. Does it make Luke Shaw better? No. So there's lots of things here we look at. You know, you talked about the right side there of attack. United bought two right wingers in this transfer window. I don't know why people are forgetting this. Now, I know they're not elite transfer uh, transfer targets when we talked about Jaden Sancho on that side, but they did address the position. And they do believe that these two guys that are coming in are going to have impact. 
Palestri is going to get parachuted into the team immediately. We don't know if he's good enough. You know, listen, we, I, I've heard about Palestri for six months and talked to South American journalists and was surprised that United kind of made a late move for him, but he has been scouted continuously. And this was United's choice at the end of the day. And like Dale said just there with the owners, you know, we, we, they're never going to have the same agenda as the fans, ever. They're not those kind of owners. And that's something that United fans have to accept or protest against. Getting on social media and getting upset about it and losing your mind over it doesn't solve anything. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to pass on to Dale. Uh, Rob makes some fantastic points. Look, Palestri is actually someone I'm excited about. And it might sound silly. I'm going to get called a Glazer puppet or whatever. But actually, United have been a bit more, a bit more methodical with those transfers. You look at uh, Triori or Diallo, whatever, you know, whichever one you want to call him. But obviously very talented. And you look at Palestri as well. United sort of gone back to what they used to do this they scouted clearly very well they're looking at players they can develop and then if you look at Telez, obviously he's already made talent Cavani brings that experience so you know on the positive spin these are transfers that should see fruition in a few years but I go back to my point that United needed ready-made quality in that first 11 we know that the squad is full of uh, it's quite it's quite heavy, isn't it? There's a lot of players in there who probably aren't at the required standard United needed players to come in and do the business straight away didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the manager set out what he wanted this summer. He wanted Jadon Sancho as that right winger. And I know, of course, you can say they signed two, two right wingers that aren't quite there. But I've also seen this club this summer get praised for signing some young players from, say, Spain and things like that. And I don't think they deserve praise for that. That's like a company buying pens and pencils. You have to buy youth players. You have to invest in your, your youth system. They don't deserve praise for that in the transfer window. What they had to do this season was, was strengthen the team. Solskjaer is, is going into second and a half, third season in charge. When do we start demanding titles? Because he's running out of time now. I said it when Jorgen Klopp took over Liverpool. He went a few years without tr trophies. He has to start winning them. He has to start winning trophies, and he's built on that. He also has a board and a club behind them that are on the same wavelength as him and wanting to do things. I think... What we have to come to the reality of, and Rob touched on it with these owners, is Solskjaer's job. Solskjaer might want to win league titles, might want to make Manchester United the biggest club in England again, the best club in England again, best team. It's not going to happen. What his job is, is what Wenger's became at Arsenal, is to get us into the top four every season. And the Glazers would be more than happy with that. And that's, you're, you're listening to the manager banging this drum about Manchester United being this, Manchester United being that. I'm sorry, but it's 2020. And until the clubs start changing their tune, we can't start talking like that. We're a top four team. And I, looking at the team right now, I don't think it's good enough to get into the top four. I think Solskjaer's going to have to be very, very lucky with results elsewhere to get into that top four. And the board need to look at that and they need to see, is that team good enough? I think there's a lot of good players there. I think he can get into the top four with it, but I'm not seeing it at the moment. And I have very, very, very little hope for it. Um, and the quest at the end of the season, we have to look at one him because he's been in the job long enough. We have to look at him, we have to look at the owners again. But what can we do about them? We could talk about protests, we can send a few hashtags. The Glazers haven't done an interview in 15 years. Do you think, yeah, do you, the, do you think they're looking the hashtags at are yeah, I think they're looking at their, your Twitter hashtags? And another one I've seen people sending tweets about email Woodward, email Joe Glazer. <laughs> What? It's something really? it's, Dale makes some fantastic points, Rob. That's something we've spoken about many times. We've been on the podcast that Arsenal wanted Wenger out 
whether rightly or wrongly, and they did what they had to do to get Wenger out. They did the protest. Okay, as we said, you know, there are, as you said, there were actually a small section that really wanted them out. They were more vocal, and that's what got got Wenger out. At the end of the day, United fans have the power, especially match-going fans. You're in the stadium, walking out, as we've said before. That's more effective than saying, I I've had someone message me saying, boycott all the sponsors. I, I can't afford to go and buy a, a bloody tag her watch like what's that gonna do to me do you know what i mean like i what? don't understand yeah exactly or what you're not gonna buy adidas i mean take your clothes off dale for god's sake <laughs> whoa this is not in that the name of, of manchester united in the name of manchester united <laughs> take your clothes off exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the point isn't it robbie it's so it's so futile and then there's other people saying don't buy the kit but you can't tell someone who wants to buy their kids the kit i mean i haven't bought the kit this year uh, and then it's mainly because of that but i bought the kit last year so i'm a i can't talk i can't sit here and hashtag glazer out and go and buy the kit but at the end of the day rob we can go on and on about glazers out glazers out but no one's really doing anything of any substance to make that happen and then we yeah, complain yeah it's completely inane yeah do you know the irony of this is is if manchester united did win the premier league this year or last year or five years ago united fans wouldn't say boo to the glazers this is not about success and trophies. This is about the ownership and how they run the football club. So this is the problem. And this is what Manchester United fans do not connect with because it's not about how they spend money. We've spent 1.2 billion on transfers in 10 years. Right? So this is not about, oh, you haven't picked my favourite player. Oh, I can't have Sancho 7 on my back anymore. This is about the debt that they laden on our shoulders. So this is what upsets me because it's reactionary. It's reactionary to a transfer window that people don't like. But if we've got Jaden Sancho, suddenly everyone would be okay with it. Is that how it works? Probably, it shouldn't, though. It probably. shouldn't be. It, yeah, it does. And that's the problem. And this is why when we have these conversations, that I'm quite straight up about it because I don't believe that these fans know what they're talking about sometimes. You know, they're, 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 what they're saying is how they feel. They're not talking facts. They're, feeling, they're talking emotion. So let's take the emotion away for a minute and talk about facts. And yes, this these ownership, we know that they're there for the money. Yeah, so they're looking at their COVID books and going, do we spend £108 million on a player that comes in and does this player win us the title? Well, it makes Manchester United fans happy because you've got Jadon Sancho, but does it make you winners? So all of these things, exactly. So like you're nodding away, they're going, no, you know. And so this, this is the, the wider facts, and this is not defending the Glazers or anything like that. I'm 100% against a Glazer ownership. But we can't judge these things on a transfer window. Yeah, we can't judge them on this because if you do that, it's just about populism. It's a bit like John, Donald Trump, isn't it? If you like his policies, then you'll let him do whatever he wants. And it's the same with the Glazers. If you win a title, then we'll shut up. It shouldn't be like that. Ten years ago, when we had the protests at Old Trafford and the green and gold, unfortunately, way too many Manchester United fans were happy to do nothing because they sat in their seat and we were winning titles. That's the truth. When Liverpool went completely south and didn't win anything, yeah, Liverpool fans got upset and protested, but it was because they weren't winning. That was what it was about. It wasn't about the ownerships because they didn't see the gold. They didn't see the actual silverware. So this is what worries me about Manchester United fans is that it is all about winning a trophy. And if you don't win a trophy, then you're going to get upset. It shouldn't be about that. It should be about how this club has been ruined from the inside out because of debt. 
and that's the bottom dollar on it. That is fantastic points. I mean, look, Dale, I'm going to come to you on that. Do you have anything to add on? Look, what I will say, this again, this is not me defending the Glazers, and Rob is spot on. We spent $1.2 billion. It's not that money hasn't been spent. I think the frustration probably lies at the fact that, one, the people spending the money do not know what they're doing. They're not spending on the right players. There's no direct of football. But also, it's as it's as people... Look, May United can be self-sustaining, can't it? Let's be honest. It's such a big global like money-making machine that you don't need a rich owner. United can live off what they what they make every year. What what I'm yeah. upset about, okay? Because you know what? You could have the Glazers in charge. This is just devil's advocate. You can have the Glazers in charge. And this is what I said yesterday. And people did go in on me, call me a puppet. But you could have the Glazers in charge. You could have a director of football in there. And if they allowed the director of football to just do what they do, you don't even need to worry about the Glazers. Like they, he would, he would do the job. I think the issue comes from the fact that one, there's the debt. If there was no debt, there wouldn't be the issue because that's what 900 million out, including that's debt, interest, including the dividends as well. Dividends about 200. So technically, if there was no debt and the Glazers were in charge, there wouldn't really be a problem if there was a director of football there. Am I fair in saying that? I mean, that's how I see it. Obviously, they're a problem. I'm not saying they're not, but people just say, oh, they they didn't spend any money. It's not their money. But United self-sustaining enough. It's just that we spent it badly as well. Yeah, look, at the end of the day, Ed Woodward is, 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 is the person that's at the forefront of all this. And he's the person that the Glazers have, have put in charge of it. And he's just a puppet on a string. We, we, we can all get out about needing a director of football. But at the end of the day, the Glazers are still in charge. Ed Woodward's still there. That director of football comes in and he's going to be restricted. And then maybe, maybe, maybe that would be a great thing for Woodward because the pressure wouldn't be on him. The abuse wouldn't be going his way doesn't fix anything and that's why I kind of question sometimes whether the abuse Woodward gets is, is is actually really the right way to go about things because he's not the problem he's just a man in, in a position being told what to do and if there's money there available to him to make a trans transfer and the Glazers say that's okay then it'll happen but he's not the one there saying to to, to Solskjaer yeah we can make that sign and we can't make that sign he's listening to phone calls above him so and I totally agree. We're all based on if United won a league title, then people will be happy then next season, the year after. But the problem exists, and it's only a matter of time before it really bites us again. This team is nowhere winning league, league winning league titles. This club is nowhere operating in a way that will should win league titles or even be in the Champions League. For instance, just I don't want to keep dragging on, but we're in a Champions League this year. Are we in the Champions League to take part or to compete? Ask yourself that question because it's not to compete. It really isn't. We're making up the numbers, to, Dale. That's what we're making doing. up numbers. Yeah, and if, if, I'd love, I'd love these YouTube channels if we all could get an interview with one of the board members or if Woodward, Woodward actually <laughs> could speak to us. Right? They haven't no way. spoken. No way. They haven't spoken in fifteen years. Fifteen yeah. years, and Quite they get angry. Thing. But let, let's also take note that they get angry. When something is written about the club, say, for instance, Sky Sports ran that Jad and Sancho, they wouldn't pay over 50 million from the club or weren't happy about that report. Never, they never briefed that. But why are they in a position to get angry or unhappy at misleading reports when they won't even set their record straight by giving us an exclusive interview and speak and have a back and forth over a podcast or whatever? So fans will know what page they're on. It's just it, it, it's standing right in front of us. Daylight robbery. Yeah. That's what it is. Absolutely. Can, can, I, answer, can, I, can I respond yeah. to that as well? The thing is, though, Dale, Ed 
Woodward did do a, a thing 12 months ago with kind of fanzines Andy. and with press and all of these. He did it with Andy. And obviously Andy's a trusted source in terms of Manchester United and everything that goes on within the football club. So they have responded publicly. But the point is none of it matters. doesn't but, matter what they say. But, doesn't matter but, what they say I, I in terms say, of strategy. Rob, did, did, you re- did you read the interview? I did, yeah. I did read it. Of course I did. And so for me, for, me, for me, whatever he says... Is just going to be hollow. So I don't. So I'm not interested. I don't understand what what Edward Wood says because, mm-hmm. like you just said there, he, he's he sits on a board of about fourteen or fifteen people, and it's the Glazer family that run that football club. Mm-hmm. So they make the decisions at the end of the day. So Matt Judge is a negotiator. It doesn't matter what he does. He's just a negotiator. He goes to talk to football clubs. He shouldn't be doing it. It should be a director of football. Edward Wood is the uh, the main accountant who works with the debt he's not a football person either. So whatever he says is being read from a script. It's like politics, yeah? When you hear a politician talk and everyone says, I need to hear this politician, we already know that it's pre-planned and pre-worked. It's yeah. not It's not, It's not. not a let me give you my honest you know, opinion on these things. And it's the same with football clubs. It's absolutely the same. Not just Manchester United. Every football club has its own agenda. Most of the football clubs in the Premier League, their core agenda is to make money, their core agenda. When you look at Man City, we know that they have other agendas of sport, sports washing and stuff like that. So that's a completely different agenda, but it's still their kind of their mantra in terms of what they're trying to do. Liverpool have got owners from America who are just like the Glazers from the same background, except that they are sports owners who want to win. So they've, they've structured their club to win. So yeah. it's difficult because I know fans want to hear from the Glazers and want to hear from... From Edward Wood. Why? What does that change? It changes nothing. Everything you need to know, you can see in the accounts. Go and look at the accounts. The accounts tell you everything. I always say with any business, profit and loss tells you everything. Go and look at the profit and loss. And Manchester United, we know they want to make money. We know that that's why they want to be in the Champions League. If they won the title, they wouldn't be going, oh, we won some silverware. They'd be going 50 million pound more money in our profits. That's how they work. And unfortunately, fans have this outpouring of emotion that that's what they think connects them to the football club, that that's how they'll get changed from the Glazers. You're sadly wrong. They're not changing ever. And you know what? The next set of owners that come in after after the Glazers, beware, because they might be worse than the Glazers. And that's what I'm worried about, is the next set of owners. If we become a sports-washing exercise, I won't be supporting Manchester United. I'll be gone. By the Saudis. That's And that's the thing. Any any regime that wants to promote themselves through sports-washing... I want nothing to do with. I don't care where it is geographically. I'm not interested in it. Some people say, oh, you know, is is this about the Saudis or Qataris or whatever? I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is why the football club is being used as a vehicle. I think we digre- we're digressing here because this is not yeah. a, a reality for United at the moment. But I would not support Manchester City if I was a City fan. I know people in my family who are City fans. You know, we're City or United. And I know City fans from, from my family who don't support the club anymore, even though that they are now successful. So that's because they don't like the way that the regime is. It's the whole moral thing, isn't it, Rob? I said the same thing, actually, to uh, Phil Brown the other day. I said, look, I've got family, you know, in Saudi Arabia. My dad used to live in Saudi Arabia. That's where he grew up. And he tells me about it. I mean, dad had to leave the country at night. They forced him out because of a certain sect of Islam he was, certain Muslim. They forced Mm -hmm. him out. And they came to the UK with nothing. So, and We're about to have was... a World Cup. We're about to have yeah. a World Cup based on sports washing. Yeah, now I'm going to have to report on that because I'm a journalist. People know my views on this. I probably won't get entry into the country. doesn't matter. Ultimately, 
it, it, this is not what I want Manchester United to be. So, as I say, we digress. But when I look at the Glazers, they, they are a massive problem. But the problem is the way that they've laid the club with debt, not the trophies. Do you know what? You get to a point with all clubs where success is cyclical. And you win and you lose. And we saw 25, success, 25 years of success with under Fergie. I'm just a bit old enough, to, the older than you guys, to remember the Atkinson years when we weren't successful. Yeah. So for me, it's not about just winning trophies. Of course, I want to win trophies like every football fan would want to win. It's about how the ownership structures the football club. And that's why United are where they are. Do you know what? If you'd spent £1.2 billion on good players, United would be winning the title. Yeah. And no one be sniffing about the Glazers. So the, the, the money has been there. It's not the Glazers' money. This has come out the profit scheme. So they've used that $1.2 to buy players. The problem is all the players, and I'm not going to swear, have been you-know-what. That's <laughs> been the problem for seven, eight, nine years. I said before we bought uh, Bruno, United's best signing before Bruno going all the way back, was Robin Van Persie. So between Van Persie and Bruno, United didn't sign one decent player. You can sniff about Pogba and you can look at kind of... Ibrahimovic. What did Herrera do for United? He was a good midfielder who didn't have any impact on winning. So it, he, he said the right things, you know. He said, oh, you know, I love United. He still says it now. But when he got offered the cash... To go to another club, he went because that's for well, he has 250k a week. In his, in he was, his he was a good oh, sign, he was a, a decent signing, but he wasn't a, a game changer, he wasn't Jaden Sancho, he wasn't in that bracket. But United did break the world record to sign Paul Pogba, and that didn't work and hasn't worked. And people still talk about that. So, we have bought players, it's just that the recruitment scheme from behind the football club because of the ownership has been dire. Well, I, what I do want to so. I completely agree, Rob. I just want to ask both of you. I'll go with Dale first. Now that you've seen the reports of what Sancho's full package would be in terms of, what, 250 million euros, do you think United did the right thing stepping away? No. No. I'm still the biggest club in the world. They want the best players to go out and pay the money to big clubs do. Um, realistically, that's not going to happen, though, as, as, as we've just been speaking about. Rob has said it. Glazers, they don't, they're not in the same wavelength as us. Um, it's all about money. But if Manchester United were serious... I, like as a fan, I don't care how much they they pay on the best players in the world. I couldn't care less. Exactly. I want to see. I want to. I want to. I want to see the best players. I want to see. I want to be lifted off my seat. I want to be celebrating. I want to be happy watching my team. And it's just it's just it's, we're coming to terms with things now. And I know it's been the cases the Glazers come in. Man, you know they're not going to do that kind of business. They're just not. And we 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 get our hopes up at the start of a transfer window and 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 the, all summer long working united never once played down their interest in jordan sancho never once and we went into the last day the transfer window and i think some people were kind of hoping that maybe maybe Manchester United might do something bit circus like a bit bold might try something no it's not wasn't going to happen i actually spoke to you on deadline day that morning and i said to you it's not going to happen yeah it's not going to yeah, happen we but but beyond that as well and it's why it's important to make signs like this if united were serious liverpool won the league last season 30 years they waited to win that. And that hurt every single one of us United fans because Ferguson stopped them doing it for so long. And there's not one person on that Man United board that was hurt by that. Not one. And that is the problem. That's another yeah. problem. Liverpool winning league titles and we didn't do it. We didn't blink an eyelid. 
also, they finished 30 points ahead of us, Rob. I mean, I'm going to come mm. on to you now. And they went and signed Thiago, one of the best midfielders in the world. Exactly the sort of player that we should have gone in for. I don't, I honestly, Rob, I don't care what the financial package was for Thiago. United had to buy someone like that in that midfield. That, you know, he was available. I know he won to Liverpool, but if United put the money down before, I think they would have got him. But sort of going on, Rob, my, my concern is that, you know what, if we missed out on Sancho, and this might be a bit, you know, a bit crazy, but. I would have preferred United to say, all right, if we don't want to go for Sancho, we can't afford him because, look, finances have been hit. Right, put an end to it in August and actually go and find a suitable replacement. I don't mind. I didn't mind that we didn't sign him because I can understand the financial situation that the whole world is in. I mean, to be spending that money, for me, maybe I'm different. I know I care the fact that, you know what, people are people are dying. The money situation is bad. Don't buy a player like that. But at least go and adequately scout we were chasing Usman Dembele which we knew Barcelona weren't going to sell him he's made of absolute glass I mean where is the we where's really the chasing him were we not chasing him not really but who no, was because they, they, they had a chat to Barcelona about it. it doesn't mean they were chasing him that's not it's not true was it a last I, 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 I think the biggest problem what you're touching on was with Sancho they went all summer of looking for him and then at the very end they had a few conversations with people about maybe alternative options but the problem is they didn't have any alternative op options that they were actively pursuing now other clubs like Bayern Munich they go into a transfer window and they know who they want they speak to that club you want this x amount of money and they pay it if they don't want to pay it they go away and they go find someone else just because they're run by football people Dale yeah yeah yeah. Right, we we're not. So that, that, that do you know what I'll say to this is just it's again it's the all encompassing answer. Like Dale just said, there's a realization, you know, about the Glazers. If you lot have not understood this for ten years, I do not understand why people are saying this. It's doing my head mm. in. You know, everybody, everybody knows what the Glazers are. They've done it yeah. since day one. They've not they started owning the club last year. You know, they've not started owning the club when we stopped winning titles. What are people going on about here? We know what the Glazers are. We know how they run the football club. I think the other side of it is, is that not everything is connected to everything. So when we talk about why they didn't buy Jadon Sancho, it's not always connected to the debt or ambitions or those things. Sometimes you do have to sit in a boardroom and make tough decisions that people don't like. So for United on this window, it was buy one player and don't effectively improve the whole squad or buy five players and maybe get a little bit closer. They know already they're getting nowhere near Liverpool or Man City, even with four Jadon Sancho's in their team. So the, the decision was taken based on that cost-effective strategy of, right, we're going to bring in these players, but then we might bring in someone in the next window at a higher value. Now, that is a football decision. That's where the scouting system really kicks in. And you look at your targets and you say, do we bring in a, a young pair of uh, right-wingers that we can develop and, and have add-on value to that at the end of the day. Don't forget, sell-on is a massive issue for the Glazers. They always want sell-on for any player. When they bought Ronaldo, they wanted sell-on. That's how it works. And this is what they're doing with Palestri and obviously with uh, Diallo as well. So that doesn't make fans happy because I agree, it has no impact on the football club immediately. When we go and play the next game, we've just got hammered 6-1 by Tottenham. So United fans are looking for a reaction to that. And if we'd bought Sancho, does that make us better than the team that lost to Tottenham? For me, the answer is no. That doesn't make us better because it's one position. United have probably got seven positions on the pitch where you could question the first teamer and the starter and say they're not good enough. This is why I kind of try and calm it down when it comes to these things because the Glazers have been there forever. They ain't going anywhere. You could write as many emails to Edward Wood as you want. You're not getting a response. 
He could do 300 interviews tomorrow. It doesn't matter. What matters is the structure of the football club. We need a director of 100%. football. We need a director of football. I wrote, I've written about this consistently for five years. Yeah, five years ago, I was writing, why have we not got a director of football when every other football club has got one? Yeah, we haven't got one because the Glazers know if you have a director of football, they suck more money out of the football club because they make you buy players that you don't want to buy. That's how it works. Yeah. You know, Mourinho did that and Van Gaal did that. They were effectively the directors of football saying, right, I want this player, I want this player, this player, this, until the board went, stop. And that's why they got sacked because their style of football wasn't good enough at the end of the day. And they were spending hundreds of millions of pounds. So this is why I think going back to the Manchester United way of maybe looking at younger players and building slowly is what we're going to get, whether fans like it or not, because that's the way the Glazers want to do it. And we're not going to get these impactful signings that are not just about selling shirts. They wanted Sancho because he was the next generational number seven. Yeah. And the next generational number seven sells you a billion shirts. That's why they wanted him. They're not looking at the right wing. We're all going, we want a right winger. They're looking at names to sell product. United fans have got to get on board with this and understand how the football club works. One thing I keep saying on all these podcasts is that United fans need to start understanding how Manchester United works as a business. And yet we want to be enthralled by the team. But there's got to be a middle ground here. We can shout and scream till we're blue in the face. The only way that will stop it is proper protest that works from within Old Trafford. You can protest a million miles away across the world. Nobody sees it. No one's interested. It's about the core fan base at Old Trafford to leave their seats and walk out of the stadium and show the world that they're not going to watch it. Like you get in Germany. It happens in Germany all the time. Any ownership uh, problems, the fans walk out and you get an empty stadium. And then, the board, and then the board resign. That's how it works. So with Liverpool, you're right, exactly. With Hicks and Gillette, when they own the football club, yeah, Liverpool fans went, we're not doing this. We're not having it. We're just not having it. So they boycotted the club. They were gone in 10 minutes. United fans have never boycotted Manchester United. They've gone and bought the shirt every year. Yeah. So if you're going to go and buy the shirt and put it on your back, unfortunately, you haven't got to say you're letting your own opinion go down a drain of money that goes into the Glazers' pockets. And then what? You're going to moan about it? I, I don't get it. That's what I mean. When people moan about Sancho, I don't think Sancho makes Manchester United a whole lot better this year. He might make us better over 10 years. And I think for me, that was why I wanted Sancho. Because I think you can build around these, these building blocks. We've got Palestri now. We don't know what he's going to do. We have to go, we have to wait and see. We might be saying in a year's time, that lad Palestri, what a signing. Seven and a half million to trigger his release clause. That's the signing we needed. So we just have to kind of take a deep breath because the stress levels are killing United fans. As I keep saying, there's a neurosis around our fan base. And you've got to let go of the neurosis and just start watching the football a little bit more. Because what we saw against Tottenham was awful and a product of how that football club is run. But if we don't back Ole and give him a little bit of time to fix it, like we did last year when we had Bruno come in, and suddenly we went on a run where we earned more points than Liverpool and City put uh, in their runs at the final end of the season. That has been suddenly forgotten. And, I, and that, again, is a narrative. And I don't want to forget that. I want to remember what we've seen in 12 months from Ole and the boys. They were awful against Tottenham. They deserve all the slaps they get because it was it was just terrible football. But I keep saying it, calm, calm, calm. Just crying at a phone, at Twitter, doesn't solve it, I'm afraid. I keep saying it all the time. I mean, that's that's very well said. But that moves us on nicely, Rob, to Ollie's management position. I want to come to Dale first for this. I mean, we can say that. Look, give him time, give him time. But for me, I feel like 
and this is not me wanting Oli out, but I think serious questions have to be asked because from you can talk about preseason. Myself and Rob have spoken about preseason a lot, and it is it is quite clear the teams that played deeper into the Champions League or the Europa League last season look off the pace because they haven't had the time to get the gain their match fitness. I mean, Tottenham have had how many games? Four games in the last eight before they played United. United was the last game they played in that in that you know sort of tight schedule. But Dale, you have to turn around and say to Oli. Looking at that team, £90 million Pogba, £50 million Bruno, £40 million Matic, uh, £80 million Maguire, his defender, £50 million uh, Boambasaka, his right back, Shaw's 30, Bailly's 30, Martial's 50. Then you've got the two lads from the academy, Greenwood and Rashford. No matter how you spin it, how bad it is off the pitch, how bad the owners are, you know, the reason why United aren't challenging for titles is because of the board in Woodward. But the, what's going on on the pitch is purely Ollie. And I'm very concerned. I know it's four games. I don't want to be reactionary, but I'm concerned that, yes, he might have turned around last year, but he doesn't have it to take United to that next level. And at the end of the day, what you're seeing out there was completely unacceptable. And it's not like it's a surprise. We've looked awful for four games and it's kind of just come to a head. And for me, I'm worried that he's going to be out of the job by October. Probably. Yeah, probably. Probably will be out of the job. That's the thing. Um, the cycle will then continue. I think, I think with Solskjaer is, you have to look at him. Is he one of the best football managers in the world? No. Um, I'd love to see him go prove himself and become that and give him the time to do so. But realistically, there's better managers out there. So if he doesn't get the results the board want, they will ax him. Um, and I think he needs to sit down too, which I think he will do now. And he might have not be happy with all the recruits that he got in, might not be what he promised. But he's going to have to look at it now and say, this is what I've got. I need to work with this. I need to get the best out of those players. Now, you mentioned some of the players that are there. I'm not really interested in the, in the, in the how much they cost because when Manchester United want to sign a player, the price goes up. So that's not Solskjaer's fault. But there are players there. There are there's World Cup winners there. There's really good players there that can, that can win games and shouldn't be losing 6-1 to, to Tottenham Hotspur. I know... Those kind of results are kind of frightening. They happen very, very rarely, but it should never be happening in a game like this at the start of a season when there's a bit of kind of a bit of confusion around what United were doing in the transfer market and what soldiers should be doing is making sure on the pitch we have the least amount of complaints possible. Come the end of the season, if he doesn't get top four, he's gone. And, he, and, and and the thing is, I feel sorry for him that he hasn't got the backing that, that he deserves after last season. But the fact of the matter is, the players are there to get there. The players are there to get there. And Pochettino is waiting on the wings. Is he a better manager than Solskjaer? Of course he is. 100%. The people that say he isn't, I'm sorry, Dale, the people yes. say he isn't, they just, they just turn around and say, well, he hasn't won any trophies. Look at what he did. He turned Spurs from... Bottlers, okay, they still bottled it quite a lot, but turned them from outside top four to a regular Champions League outfit, got them to Champions League final without signing a player for 18 months. There was two years that Spurs were at their peak where he developed young players, he had a set of style of play, and they were so entertaining to watch. He, in some ways, Dale, he is kind of like the Glazers' perfect manager. He won't spend a lot of money. He'll develop what's there. He's got an identity of style of play. The football will be probably more, more entertaining. I mean, it's surely a good fit no matter how you look at it. I think Pochettino went to Spurs and knew what Spurs were. And he did an, an absolutely amazing job there. Everyone knows Pochettino's next job. He needs to win trophies. And if he does get the Man United job in the future, 
there is no way he's going to be as on as understandable about recruits. He's going to want the top players in because when you get the Man United job, you should be willing to lead tight. You should be in Champions League. You should be fighting for it. And that's what Pochettino will want. He'll come in, poison chalice. He won't get what he wants. And the circle will then continue. I think it, this is what, what Rob said is absolutely spot on. We shouldn't just be coming to the realisation of what how it goes being run now. But sadly, I'm coming to the realisation now where I've, I've, I've no hope. I, my, any hope that I had, I knew the Glazers were always bad owners, but I always had a bit of slight hope that, can it get that bad? Are they really going to do that do, do that, or not do that? Now I, I just have no hope whatsoever. It's It's totally diminished. And we can talk about protests and so on there needs to be a real collective effort a real collective effort and you know this the united fan base so divided tweet, so divided you can you can tweet something about sir alex ferguson okay and someone will disagree with you and someone will tell you that he wasn't that good of a manager or that he that he's the reason for all of this and all this and blah 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 it's so divided it, it's never going to happen and it, like i said no hope and it's sad go on rob i know you want to jump in there <laughs> I, I just, I'm just bamboozled that Man United fans have only just realised what the Glazers are and what the football club is, and and I, I do think that United fans as a whole, especially because so, social media, have so little clue about their own football club. Uh, I keep saying this. I always make the comparison between Manchester United and New York Yankees. Why? Because people walk around with hats on with the New York Yankees on it and haven't got a clue who they are or what they are and what even sport they play. So just a brand. You look at, you look at Manchester United, unfortunately, that's what United is to the wider spectrum in, in sport and in commerce, is that they are a brand with a badge that sits on someone's hat or on their chest. Unfortunately, this is the way that not just United are, but this is the way that Premier League football is whenever you have ownership. Most of the owners are in it to earn money and to earn profits. It's just that we don't like the way that the structure that the Glazers have put in to own the football club. They never bought the football club with their own money. They bought it with debt. Yeah, so they bought it and they, that, that's their right to buy it. You know, if you back capitalism and commerce, that's their right. I look at it and I think it's heinous. I think the Premier League should be able to stop those things from happening. But for us to just suddenly have this grand realisation looking off into the sunset and going, oh, my God, this is how it is now. I don't get it because it's not been like that since the day ones that the Glazers stepped into the football club. And it's not about just money because if it was just about money – you know, the 1.2 billion spent on players would have been spent on better players and United will be winning now and no one will be saying anything. So there's got to be a balancing point here. And I know that people get upset about it because losing hurts. Yeah, when you lose 6-1, it hurts. I remember United losing 6-2 to Southampton under Fergie and it hurt. It felt like the worst day on earth. Yeah, United went to the Dell and got hammered. You do lose football matches and sometimes you've got to take that and put it away. It's indicative of what's going on in your team at that moment. But when I look at Ole, you know, I'm, I'm an advocate of Pochettino, 100%. I think he's a great manager. I think he builds football clubs from the ground up. I think he's got great acumen, great knowledge. I like his tactics. But do you know what? He isn't Pep. He's not Klopp. Yeah, he still would have to operate under the same constraints that Ole is. So... Someone said to me the other day, it would be difficult for Pochettino to be successful at Man United. Why? Because the Glazers change the format all the time. Yeah, for how much money they want to spend or where they put the profits and all of those things. So he could demand the best players on earth. And look, that's what Mourinho did. He went in there, yeah. demanded, I want this player. 
So they gave him Ibrahimovic. They gave him Pogba. They gave him Mkhitaryan. They bought this up-and-coming centre-back called Bailly from Spain for Villarreal. Did it work? No, it didn't. And that's how the Glazers look at it. They say, we made that outlay. It failed. Let's try something different. And unfortunately for Pochettino, that would be the case for him. If he lost games, he would straight away have the United fan base on his back. You know it. The Ole ins and the Ole outs and the, and the Mourinho ins and the Mourinho's out. They'd be on him all straight away saying, we want you at the football club. You weren't good enough. I get a thousand tweets a week saying Pochettino isn't good enough. Why? Because he hasn't won anything. And it's like, oh, my God. You know, so it's the same issue that goes round and round in circles. And I don't think we can solve that because that is a, a neurosis amongst the Manchester United fans. If, if Ole goes and wins the next 10 games, yeah, let's just hypothetically, win the next 10 games, we win it 3-0 every game and we're top of the league in 10 games' time. People will still be saying Ole out. People will still be saying he knows nothing about football. People will still be saying that they want Pochettino. People will still be saying that Mourinho is the greatest manager ever and should be yeah. back at Man United. All of those things don't change because you win or lose games. So you have to look at it from a more philosophical angle and the depth, I think, of the football club, of how it's structured, rather than just results. Results will get Ole the sack. I've said he's got six games. That's what I've said. Six said games. Actually, if he loses six games in a row, yeah, the next six, and there's three of those games are big games, PSG, Chelsea and Arsenal, I think he gets sacked. Because Pochettino hasn't got a job and they'll take Pochettino in. And then we'll be having these conversations on your podcasts going, oh, everything is solved. You know, Pochettino is here and now we are fixed. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not the truth. If you think that's the truth, I'm not saying it's you two guys. I'm talking to the viewers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you think that's the truth, you are deluded. You are the problem. And this is the problem with Manchester United at the moment. It's a 10-year, decade-long problem, even going through. I was in the Champions League stadium in, Bos in Moscow when I watched us win it. Yeah, And we sat there afterwards till 3 a.m. when we got locked out. And people were saying to me then, but the Glazers own this football club. This could be the last time we win the European Cup. And we sat there going, yeah. And that was when we were high as kites, so happy that we just won a Champions oh, a League in Moscow. Right. And people were saying to me, but this could go south very quickly. And I was agreeing. I was going, yeah, if you if you run a football club like they run it, that's a long time ago now. What was it? 20, 2007? You know, God, it's, like, it's like almost a generation, you know, pushing it. I, I We were saying that then. So now when people say it now, I'm not surprised. I don't sit here going, oh, I'm going to cry because we lost 6-1 to Tottenham. And that means that the Glazers are terrible. No, the Glazers were terrible 13 years ago. You know, things haven't changed. We have to look at it differently. I think that Ole needs a little bit of time. You know, if you're going to give him five players, he has to develop them and integrate them. You know, we know that Cavani is, is a stopgap. He's not going to be there for that long. We know that Cavani could be a complete disaster, but he might actually have some upside. You know, I'm not a fan of his in that context, but I think in the grand scheme of things, he's a good signing. I know we'll talk about signings more. But I think five players was probably needed more than one in this window. You'd rather have five world-class players, but God forbid, do you think Glazers are going to spend three, four hundred million on what that would cost? But no. how was how how were five players brought in and not a centre back? Yeah, or defensive midfield. I, I, I can explain some of that, and, and I've, I've kind of reiterated this in the past few days. Manchester United have targets, yeah, multiple targets for multiple positions. That's how the scouting system works. It was not viewed that this year that centre-back was a priority. Why? Because they've got seven of them. So they've, they've got to get rid of a few. They bought a, a world record centre-back that we know isn't quick enough. We know this. They stuck with Lindelof last year. They managed to better the goal difference 
quite significantly last year. Yeah. So that's how boards look at these things with facts and figures. As fans, we can all have opinions about players and go, oh, we don't like Harry Maguire because, yeah. But that's how football clubs look at it because it's about the wage bill, ultimately. United could have bought up a Meccano this, this window. He was offered yeah. £60 million. Next year, because of his contract, he'll be worth 40 35 around that. And United said, we'll go back for him in a year because we've got seven centre-backs. They were going to buy Sancho. That's who they wanted, but they were never going to put the money up. So they had all these targets and the, and four of the five that we've seen brought in were targets, proper targets, scouted How targets. How low down were they on the list, Rob? That's the question. Well, look, as so, I said, they, they didn't want a left-back either, right? They didn't want a left-back. That's what they'd said weeks and weeks ago. They weren't going to buy left-back. And when Regulon came up, everyone was like, oh, we're going to buy Regulon. And I said, well, no, because Real Madrid's terms are ridiculous and Manchester United won't won't go for it it, and it does it does have to be said the two wingers they brought in were long-term targets and then they all they they, they also did say that Traore that was coming in was not an alternative they they briefed that a number of times he was not an alternative Sancho you can look at each one and try like obviously with with, with Diallo Traore or whatever we want to call him you know he was he was looked at several years ago first of all by the scouting system allegedly I don't know if that's true from Manchester United but that's what they've said and uh, and he is considered to have all of this top upside that he could be a, a world-class winger within two or three years. So do you go and spend 30 million euros on the guy that you can develop and turn into a 100, 150 million pound player? Or do you chuck it at Sancho, get really upset about the agent's fees, get really upset about what Dortmund want? Not really. The wages weren't a problem, but not be happy about the ultimate package side of it. Or do you buy the young player? The truth is, Manchester United will always go and buy the young player. And fans don't like that. But that is the reality, unfortunately. And they did it with Pogba. They bought. They went and bought the global superstar who they thought they could take. How everyone goes on him every week, Rob. How's that gone? Yeah. You, know, you go and buy a £90 million player. It doesn't always work. This is what I always say as a journalist. I try and detach it from my own fandom. And that is, uh, it doesn't always work if you just go and buy the big name. It's better to work the squad. That's what Fergie always did. When he bought a Varane, who was a superstar, my favourite player outside of Manchester United, the day he signed, I almost cried because he was my favourite player in the world and we signed him. How did that go? You know, it doesn't always work. So you've got to sometimes settle back and say, right, do you know what? We should probably go and buy a Hargreaves and someone like that who takes you to the next level because that's how you win a Champions League. That's how you win a title. You, You get the pieces. People are not excited about Torres, are they, at City? Diaz, these players, yeah, these players, 12 months ago, football fans would not have even sniffed that. City fans don't know who they are. They don't know who they are. They don't follow this. And they're the right players because Pep is buying the correct players rather than just the superstar. Alexis Sanchez is the best example, isn't he? Because City didn't give him that wage because they went, nah, we've got all the money in the world, but you're not having it, mate, because we don't think you're worth it. That's how football clubs should operate, by the right players at the right prices that make you feel happy. And then go and develop and tell the manager to do his job and develop that squad. And that's the challenge for Ole. People say he's not good or not. Last year, he had more points from January to the end of the season than Klopp and Guardiola. If he's not that good, he's done pretty well then, hasn't he? You know, so you've got to have a balance with it. But I do think Pochettino will be in. After all that, I do think Pochettino will probably take the job sooner rather than later because he's free. There's no, there's no, there's no risk for Woodward, and he absolutely loves Pochettino. So uh, that that's a kind of marriage made in heaven that you can see just happening. It wouldn't Losing surprise me. Games, that's that done. Yeah. 
it wouldn't surprise me, Rob, if he, if he was on the blower to him, you know, after the game, or even dropped him a message saying, "We we, we did a match review straight eight after the Spurs." Ago. Eight weeks ago, yeah. he'd have been talking to him. We wouldn't be talking yeah. to him after Tottenham. He'd have been talking and, to him months ago. And you wonder why? I mean, I'm going to pass it on to Dale. And you, you honestly, you wonder why Pochettino hasn't taken on taken a job. I mean, there have been some big openings. Look, firstly, his wage is huge. Apparently, it's twenty million pounds a year, which is which is massive for a manager. But you've got to think more than Ollie. That is. Yeah, it's well, at least what seven, seven and a half. Yeah, something ridiculous like that. So you, you that's the first thing. But secondly, you have got to wonder because you you said something off air. So Jose Mourinho obviously got sacked, and Rob said this many, many times to me, and he said it on my podcast. He said to you always say it, Rob, that Pochettino was the first choice. Pochettino is the one that he wanted, but you went to Levy. Levy wanted thirty million, and United wouldn't pay that. So now, essentially, I mean, I said this to Rob, and Rob last time, Rob, you disagree, but for me, I've always felt that Oli just kept. You know the hot seat warm for Pochettino to come in, and now it's just it's just happening. But as Rob says, Pochettino is a better manager than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. That's my opinion, and anyone can disagree with that. You can talk about his trophy record, but I think he's a better manager, and he'd get more out of this squad. There's a there's quality in this team. A midfielder, Bruno Pogba, Matic, and then you've got Van der Beek on the bench. That is that is great great options, whichever manager you are. And I think he'd get more of a tune out of them. But at the end of the day, with this ownership, he he might get top four, he might win a cup, but we're never going to win the title, are we? And this is what people argue. They say, well, what's the point of making a change? But for me, what I have doubts over, I know Oli did well, but his, his reign's been like this. Up, down, up, down, up, down. There's no consistency. You can say that's the squad depth. You can say that the player's mentality. But at the end of the day, you know, as Rob always says, you live and die by your record. And that, I don't think his record's that impressive. He's in the job because when it really matters, Oli finds a way to turn it around. I know that's... I'll let you answer in a minute, Rob. It's oh, not that impressive. He won more points than the champions last year from January to the end of the season. And he won more points than Guardiola and lost less games than Guardiola last year. And that's not impressive. This is the bit that kind of jumps on me because I'm not Ole in or Ole out. I, I don't look at legends and think they should run football clubs. I don't think of it like that. But... To say that his record isn't good because he's had a bad start to the season, we've had three games only, that's nonsensical. It's not factual. It's a perception. So, you know, when you've had that record from January to, to the end of the season and you got to the, the last four of all the cup competitions and his record isn't good enough, I, I, I'm mind blown by that because... It doesn't. It's not. It doesn't make sense. You get what I mean, Hader? Doesn't. I don't know what you yeah. mean by it. No, I, I understand what you say. I mean, you like, don't want him in the, the job, so it's like it's easy to say. So no, I, it's not, I, it's not that I don't I want him in look the at job. it like that. But I, I think, look, United have to go for what's the best. What, what's the best out there? And there's a manager that's better out there. There's two managers out there. Allegri's one, but we're not going to sign him because one, his football isn't what the fans are like. I understand, that and I don't want Allegri. five minutes. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just it would be another Mourinho. But at the end of the day, United. Put it this way, Rob, and look, I'm not saying this is how I think, but rival fans are happy that Ollie's in the job and they're more worried that United will get Poch. They 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 enjoy <laughs> sorry, that. Sorry, sorry, who cares about rival fans? I know who cares about okay. them. I mean, who cares about them? But that's that's yeah, I agree with that. But I mean, the point is at the end of the day, would would Poch get more out of the team? Yes. Was has Ollie been let down and not been backed? Yes, both can be correct. That doesn't mean that I want Ollie out. It's just that if that swap was made, I wouldn't be upset. Because at the end of the day, you're getting someone in who can actually possibly do more with the squad. But you're presuming that Ole didn't want the five players we just signed. That's kind of what you're saying. Possibly, so yeah. when, we, when we talk about backing, we if there's an unlimited pot of gold, then you can go and sign everyone, can't you? And when you're Mourinho, you want to sign everyone. You look at the best player and you say, I want that player. Give me Gareth Bale. He cost a load of money on loan. But, but give me him. And Tottenham have gone and done that. But it... it, it 
it's there's no rhyme or reason to this about what's better and who's not. Like we can say that Pochettino is a better manager because that's our opinions. Yeah, we we that's that's how we feel about it, and it might be a case that that is true, but it's not always all encompassing. Yeah, Ole came to the football club with plenty of advocation. Yeah, we talked to someone like Sir Alex Ferguson. He loves Ole because of what he did, the work he put in behind the scenes when he was a reserve team boss. So there was a path to his job, even though all of us were surprised. It wasn't something any of us kind of foresaw. But it's so hard to start putting things out like his record isn't good. And it's like, is it? Is his, his, his record's not good? United are what? 16th today? Is that right? Because we've got three points from nine and that's not good enough. One point above us or so. Is it Manchester City? Is that good yeah, enough? Yeah, I think that you know, yeah. Liverpool just lost 7-2 to a relegation candidate. Is that good enough? So it's difficult because you have to do it on a much longer scale, I think, and judge it over years. So for me, I judge Ole on the last year, not in the last three games. And over the last year, he was the best manager in the league besides Guardiola and besides um, Klopp statistically. That is the fact, whether yeah. anyone likes it or not. Sorry, that's just the way it is. No, I I agree with that, Dale. You've got and that's to not to on. defend him. That's just to defend logic, logic and yeah. facts. Yeah. No, I totally totally agree. I lo I, lo I love Solskjaer. Love him. Um, do I think he's he's the best manager I could have? No, I do. Or kind of agree with with some aspects of his record, but we can't forget about last season how things turned around and how we did finish third. And I know we 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 got the three semi-finals. There's still cup runs. I know we didn't get to finals. I know we didn't win it, but there is definitely there was definitely enough last season to to go into the season and say, right, let's keep building on this. Let's keep working because if Solskjaer was to leave the job today, if he was to walk, would you say the club's in a lot better? The team is in a better position now. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Now, what I what I will say as well is, you talk about his 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 results kind of going up and down a bit. Um, last season, especially at the start of the season, we were dropping points. We shouldn't have been dropping, drawing too many games. We turned that around, and I think that that's a sign of progression. Now, I know we started this season quite slowly, and I hope he picks it up. What I do feel is this season started slowly, not just because of the preseason factor, but I think the mood in the camp is quite down. Because if you look at the Man United players there, there's some top players, and they want to play with the best players, and they're definitely looking at that transfer window and not quite happy about it. There's a few, there's one or two journalists that have alluded to Solskjaer's management that he almost kind of depends on emotions. He, he the players need he boosts the players, has them feeling good, and they play well. And it's not a surprise to me that right now emotions are low and we're not getting results. Um, so he has he has a fight on his hand. I I I, I don't see the point in in sacking him right now. No, I, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't sack him. I wouldn't sack him now. I think you know United have to. I think have, I think, I think you have. You have to, you have to, you have to give him credit for what happened last season. You just have to give him credit. That team, you could say, we're a bit lucky in terms of results elsewhere, but that's the Premier League for you. Uh, yeah. We could get into, no, we could get into top four. Yeah, or they were the third best team, absolutely. And, and this Table could happen again lie. this season. Yeah. This this could happen this season again, and a lot of people will look ridiculous. I think right now. We said it already, we're on a different page to, to the board, to the owners. Give them your abuse. Don't give Solskjaer abuse. His legacy as a player is intact. The manager might be different. He might, he, he might have a different legacy then when he when he leaves the club. But at the end of the day, we have a manager who loves the football club, right? He loves Man United. There's no toxic, nothing toxic like Jose Mourinho where he's just in it for himself. 
this man is trying to get a collective effort from everyone. And if you want to break that up, when there's so much disarray in the club behind the scenes, you're asking for a complete circus. I'm not saying Solskjaer is the best man in the world for the job right now, but it's not it's not the problem I'd be, I'd be looking to fix. Fantastic I agree, with, I, I agree yeah. with that with Dale, with what Dale's saying there. What I will say is this, you know, we do, we, you know, we're lucky in our jobs in terms of kind of access that we have to players and whatnot and speaking to them. There is no issue with morale behind the scenes in the squad. Yeah, the squad is probably happier than it's ever been for seven years. Do you think so? Yes, absolutely. That's what we hear. You know, that comes directly from the squad. When you lose games, you're not happy. Yeah, that's the bottom dollar. Your first three games of the season, United have looked like absolute you-know-what. So they're not happy about that. And they know that they have to go back on the training pitch and, and sort themselves out. The underlying factor of why United have started so poorly this season, you can date back to the end of the Europa League where Ole had a press conference and he said, and it's all there for people to go back and read, he said, I'm really worried about the start of next season because I haven't got a pre-season booked in because of the way the schedule is. It's against us. And I know that we're going to struggle against other teams who have had multiple games more than us and are ready for us. We saw that against Palace. We saw it against Brighton. We saw it against Tottenham. These teams that are much more physically prepared for Premier League football. Manchester United are not. They look wrecked. Yeah, So that on its own makes players unhappy. But when we talk about morale, it's like one of those things of whether you're happy on the day or whether you're happy with your life. Ultimately, there's there's a much more better vibe under Solskjaer at Manchester United amongst the, the camp than there ever was under Mourinho, than there ever yeah. was under Van Gaal. People at Van Gaal, when we used to talk to players under Van Gaal, people would always say the same thing. Genius coach, little bit kind of you know, crazy in some of his methods, wanting to install cameras at Carrington to watch where players went in the ground and all of this a bit over over the top. But people weren't happy. People were like, and it's tough. I don't really enjoy it. It's not, it's not, it doesn't fit me. You know, I'm, I'm not, not, I'm not playing my best football. Manchester United have just come off the back of a pretty good campaign. And that's where players are. And Marcus Rashford said it in his tweet the other day. And again, I don't really, I'm not interested in players apologising after games. I think it's just, rank just go away and do your work and he was like we're not happy that we lost and we're gonna fix it and the, the positivity in that at the end of it was the bit that I took because he was like we, we we agree with you it's not acceptable using six ones to Tottenham is not acceptable there isn't anyone in that squad I feel doing what Alonso did the other day on the bus with with, with uh, Chelsea gonna go and sit there on the team bus and go oh, I'm not interested I think United have got a better pack of players now that they had two or three years ago where there was that apathy it was a hell of a lot of apathy. You talked to people at the camp and they were like, well, if you don't play me, I don't care. It's up to him. And I don't see that now as better competition in the squad. They'll all be going, oh, I wish we got Sancho. But they'll be getting on with it like you and me all do with our jobs. If we don't like something at work one day, we go, oh, we don't like that. And then you get your head down and get on with your work again because that's life. So I don't see it like that. I don't think that there's this huge wave of negativity going through the United camp. I do believe that is the case with United fans because that is where the neurosis comes. If you lose games, so, you're so going to get upset. Do, do, do you, do you not, totally. Do you, not, do you not think when you look at, I'm going to show Paul Pogba in here, talk Bruno Fernandes, mm -hmm. Marcus Rashford, Anthony mm -hmm. Martial, players who are going to look at their careers when they retire. Show David De Gea, that's a, the main one, David De Gea, who when he looks back on his career, not many trophies there. So they're looking at the transfer window. Is this club serious? And I don't buy for one second that that dressing room is happy with the overall picture. They might be happy with 
happier with Solskjaer and they are with Mourinho. But you remember um, Wayne Rooney's transfer request? Yeah. And he questioned the ambition in the club. And I think so many of us, myself included, I, I reacted so angrily to that. I thought, what? Are you, are you for real? Club captain coming out saying this. But if you read his quotes, he's bang on. And then Mira Pogba, bang, though, bang on. Bang. what Rob was saying when he said this has been going on for years. When was Rooney's transfer request? 2010, I think. I 10, believe. 10, yeah. 10, yeah. yeah. And so that's that's the point, isn't it? That back then, and, and I remember I was so, how old was I in 2010? I was like, what? Uh, 15 years old but I remember being so angry and thinking what the hell is Rooney doing this this and this but Pogba's done the same thing but everyone goes in on Pogba but all they want is um, they're, they're ambitious players look Wayne Rooney world class Paul Pogba whatever you say about him he's still a world class talent he wants to win he's in his prime years and he's at a club who I'm sorry to say from this window there's some I, I like the, some of the signings but they haven't shown the ambition that that the players won. Luke Shaw, whose position is probably under threat now with Tellers, has turned around and said, we need more players, knowing that, you know, he might not play more. But the <laughs> fact is, the players in the camp know, Rob. They are, I, I completely agree. They're happy with Solskjaer and it's a much happier camp. But the players know, they're all, they're not idiots. They know that this club is not showing the ambition that's needed to take take them to the next level. No, but foot footballers as animals are very single-minded, yeah? They go in, they do their work every morning, they live their lives, they get paid well, and they do it and they want to win. Yeah, that's what what they are, yeah. That's how they operate. We're kind of looking at it as this kind of uh, ecosystem where where everyone is unhappy and it doesn't work. It doesn't work like that. And in fact, if you watch All or Nothing with Mourinho and Tottenham, that gives you a kind of little glimpse into how footballers operate every day and whatever their grievances is. Now, I agree. The, the players have said that they want better players to come into the club. That's I think that's a normal thing to say. Do they go home and cry about it like social media people do? No, they go back to work the next day and to try and get better. All of those players want to play. And if you don't bring in that star player like Jaden Sancho, what does that actually stop? Well, if you brought Sancho in, it would stop Greenwood probably playing games. Now, is that a good or a bad thing? So you can debate that point till you're blue in the face. But it's about it's about the squad numbers. I think that has been the bigger issue at Manchester United. Because you always say to people, they will say, oh, do you think United need depth or quality? And I always say both. Yeah, you always need depth. You always need quality. But you can't always have one or the other. Sometimes you have to kind of dial it back and say, right, what, what do we actually need for the next year going forward? Not the next game. And I know fans don't like that because it's all very reactionary and knee-jerk. That's how fans think. And we look at it and say, oh, are these players happy? They're not happy because they lost. Like, we're not happy because they lost. But they can actually go and do something about it. We can't. We sit there and watch it. So these guys don't go to work. And it's not an office place where everyone sat there behind 20 desks, miserable because they hate the boss. That's not what Manchester United is. And you know what? Footballers don't always think about ownerships either. When Wayne Rooney said what he said, he was accurate. Wayne Rooney wanted more money, right? That's the bottom dollar. He has, he has an agent that I know and that we, he wanted more money. And that's why that was fed out into the press. That's why Fergie dropped him because he wasn't happy about that. It wasn't about that because what happened when they gave him a contract thank you very much. I'm staying here now. So we can take history and rewrite it for our own means in the future, but it's not always the, the truth, Dale. Do you know what I mean? Like those things did happen, but not always in that order. Paul Pogba said to Manchester United 12 months ago, I want to leave the football club. And they said, why? And they said, he said, because I do not believe that you have the ambition to match my ambition. 
Paul Pogba has been killed every day since by Man United fans because they don't like the way he runs or he doesn't play quick enough or he looks a bit lazy or they don't like his haircut or his social media activities. But he did say that and his was done on ambition. He did say, I'll get my money anywhere. So I'll go to Juventus, I'll go to Real Madrid, I'll go to Barcelona, but I'll leave. And there's still a marketplace for him. And that's the risk now that United do not buy the correct players. He'll say that again. He'll say, I'm not signing my new contract. I'll wait. And then you'll have to sell me because I can force my way out of here because I'm a superstar. So that's the worry for me. But if you went and asked Paul Pogba tomorrow, go knock on his door and say, are you happy? I think he is. He's, he's spoken plenty of times about how he likes working for Solskjaer. He enjoys the tactical outlay. He likes to train in. He likes his teammates. And he's, he's happy to stay at the moment. He's not going to look back and go, I regret being at Man United. The boy's got a World Cup winner's medal in his pocket. Yeah, He's won plenty. And he wants to win with United. And I think that... For players, ambition is quite is is more the kind of thing that that pushes you on rather than when you look back at your career and say I didn't win anything. Oh, well, don't you worry that we've actually got. I mean, look, I'm not one of those that thinks this squad's awful because I think there's a lot of quality. Yeah. There, but you're not worried that someone like Bruno Fernandez, he is clearly a winner. He wants to win. He's got that. Go and drive. win then. You know what? Go and win, Bruno huh? Fernandez. Go and win us games then. That's your job. Oh, you're not your worried job is that. to get in there and win games. Your job isn't to kind of, I want you to press. I want you to go and do everything you want to do. I want you to go and make us win. Players have that responsibility. That those that thing against Tottenham, there were some tactical anomalies that we can all dig into, yeah? We lost 6-1 because of the players that day, right? It wasn't about tactics. It was because people weren't doing their jobs. So Bruno Fernandes came off at half-time. I wouldn't have done that personally. I'd have kept him on because he leads to press. But Ole took him off. It had nothing to do with an argument in the dressing room. That's fake news. That didn't happen, right? So that was Ole's choice, and you have to go with it. But Bruno's got to prove it every week. We all know his performances haven't been that great at the start of the season. So we can't just say, you know, so Bruno can't go home and say, oh, I wish I'd joined Juventus or somewhere. He's got to do the job that he's got to do Are now. you not worried, Rob? Are you not worried that, you know, let's say another year of this, we don't get top four, and you've got players there that have ambitions. Marcus Rashford is a player that's got ambitions. Not worried. You're no. not worried at all. Mason Greenwood, do you not Go think and do players... your job. If you're losing games, you're not doing your job. If you're playing for Manchester United and you're saying you want to win everything... And you're not, and you're losing games, and your manager gets sacked. I said that with Mourinho, you know, there was at the point of that there where I thought Mourinho's tactics had killed United. And I wrote a million pieces about it. Dale will remember, surely. You know, and I said loads about it. And everyone's like, oh, you're Mourinho out, you're Mourinho out. I was like, no, I'm not Mourinho out. I don't want him to play this kind of football because I think it's really damaging the squad. But this, the, the other truth of it is that the squad were battered at that point. They didn't want to play for him. So you lose the dressing room. It is a real thing. You can lose the dressing room. So I don't think Ole's lost the dressing room at all because he does manage in a positive manner. But the other thing we always hear is that Ole takes no BS from anyone. Ole behind the scenes puts you in the office, puts you in a chair and says, if you do not play for me, I will sell you. And he's proved that in the last 12 months. Chris Smalling, I wanted Chris Smalling to stay at the club when we didn't buy a new player. Yeah. Chris Mullen has been training away from the main group ever since he came back from Roma because the boss has told him, I don't want you. I don't want you at my club. You don't fit what I want to do. He's probably better than Lindelof and Bailly in many ways. But that's the manager's decision and you have to live and die by that. So a manager has to do that. And I believe Ole does that. You know, I believe he does it. He sits in front of press cameras and there's all the baby face assassin. Oh, this player, oh, isn't it good? This, that, He's not like that behind the scenes. It's not. Yeah, and that, that's what that's players tell you. Right. Players tell you, that, oh, I had a bad day training. Manager was on me like a rash. It, he does that. And, I, and that pleases me. So I always say, right, let it play out. Results are bad. You get sacked. You know, if you don't play well, if you're Mick and you don't play well, 
you get sold, don't you? You go to another football club. Danny Welbeck, Belbeck, everyone loved him. We didn't want him to go. He got sold. It happens to every footballer that doesn't achieve. And if Bruno Fernandes doesn't achieve and Paul Pogba doesn't achieve, sell them, buy someone else. That's football at the end of the day. I don't, I'm not worried about players holding us to ransom as fans that they're not doing it on a football pitch. That's up to them. I don't worry about those things at night. I go to sleep quite happy knowing it's up to Manchester United footballers to win games, not me or you. Yeah, some fantastic points that I want to pick apart there. Dale, Sorry, we... getting over there. Sorry, Dale, me chatting away like that. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> let's, let's kind of move on to, I mean, look, the manager situation, we've spoken about that, about that, you know, sort of in massive depth. At the end of the day, Oli needs to pick up the results. And if he doesn't, he'll lose his job. Like, and the people, the problem is there's people there in the fan base that actually celebrated that Mourinho had beaten him. And this is, that's a problem. And I, I can't, I can't take that. I love Oli. I want him to, this is my opinion. I want him to see, I want him to, to succeed, but I, I have doubts, not because of him, only him. I just think the whole environment is not geared towards success. And we know that, and that's a bigger problem. But moving on, Dale, because um, Rob did touch on Pogba, and that's my next topic. So we're going to speak about Pogba and Maguire, and then we'll wrap up. But Pogba, look, he's someone who is always in the public eye. I mean, Rob will know this the other day. He spoke to a fan on um, Awful United, and it, you know, there's just some fans, I mean, you, I'll let you talk about that after all, but some fans really, it's 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 an agenda. It's, it's simple as really. Paul Pogba, they have a problem if he's a social media icon, whatever. You know, there's players out there that drink, um, who party. That was a social doesn't... media icon to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these, these people complaining about Pogba being on social media, complaining via social media, right? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. exactly. And they, they talk about Paul him. Yeah, they follow him. They talk about Paul Pogba, right? As as everyone reports, he always trains hard. He works hard. As Rob said many times, you know, in training, he's his numbers are through the roof at the moment. That's why he's starting. But we have to look at the reality that he doesn't look quite right. And there's people that are honestly saying, I've seen it in the comments. I've put out a few clips when me and Rob have spoken about Pogba and they said, oh, it's only COVID. You'll be fine. He's had COVID. He doesn't look right. Now, wonderful player, but... Is it time that Oli does say, look, Paul, you need to maybe sit out. Van der Beek probably deserves a start and we go forward because at the moment, Pogba seems to be the target along with Maguire. Yeah, it, was, it was it was 100% time to throw in Danny Van der Beek against Spurs. 100 because Pogba wasn't performing. Um, Pogba gets a lot of slack for the way he carries it in the pitch for, I don't know, people think he doesn't care. But if you watch Pogba in a game in which he's playing really, really well and United are cruising, Pogba looks the exact same. Yeah. Everton is effortless. People talk about things, oh, he looks, he makes it look so easy. When things aren't going well, yeah, he's not ripping the place up, throwing in double-footed challenges. No, he's not doing that because he's not that type of player. Um, Manchester United spend 90 million on a player. I don't think they fully knew what they were getting. I still think he's a fantastic player. He's one of the best midfielders in the world when, he, when he's on his day. Um, right now, you're spot on to bring the COVID thing into it because it's a factor so many people are, are, are ignoring. He doesn't look 100%, but that's why we signed Danny van der Beek. That's why quality players come in and social can rotate, and it definitely is time. Because as well as that, we mentioned about the hate Pogba gets. It's only going to get worse if he's playing and he's not 100%. So Solskjaer needs to make a decision there as well. But yeah, I, I, don't, I don't particularly appreciate some of the stuff that we see on social media at all. And I think everyone... Um, even myself, I've been thinking about social media in the past week. We all need to do things a little bit differently, I think. Um, on social media, we're all, we don't even know some of the people 
from tweets or reading and we're so passive aggressive and things and it's just creating I'm not just talking about pog but I'm going on going off on one but everyone needs to have a look at themselves that the way people behave yeah. on social media is just not acceptable and um, people hate Paul Pogba but they've never met him that doesn't make any sense you're, you're talking about a player you watch for 90 minutes and you might not like how he's played but you haven't spoken to him you haven't spoken about his views on life and but you're reacting on social media after 90 minutes because he misplaced a pass and it's just a playground everyone needs to grow up at the end of the day you might not like Paul Pogba and that's fine you might not think he's a good player that's fine but do you not want the best for Man United? Do you not want to see him play well, assist goals? So while he's in while he's in the shirt, I don't think he's disrespecting it. Get behind him and support him. All the players. The second Pogba yeah. comes out and says something along the lines of, do you know what? I don't really like Man United. Until he says something like that, I don't understand any of this. I just don't understand it. And, and I believe I'm going to let you jump if, in if there. He, if, he had a prob- if Pogba was a problem on the training pitch at United... He'd be gone. Yeah. yeah. I, I, like trust Ole. I trust Ole with that. Yeah. I don't care that Ole's a legend or anything like that. I, I care about facts. And the facts are that I think Ole would deal with him and would deal with him in the most swift way that you do. Because Ole has come through that school of hard knocks with Fergie. You know, he knows how Fergie dealt with players. Like we can still sit here and talk about Yap Stam and Rude Van Nistelrooy and how they were heroes. The second that that Fergie thought that they were a problem in the training pitch, they were gone. They were out the football club. And I think Ole takes the same methodology. You know, that's how he does it. But I think with Paul, I think the way is, is this, is it, whether it's personal or not personal, you know, we know that Manchester United bought in partly for commercial reasons. You know, they wanted to sell shirts. That was one thing. And on the other side of it, we're saying that we don't know, you know, they didn't know what they were getting. I think they did. You know, he was he was there as a kid. Everybody knows at that football club what Paul Pogba is. What we see now with Paul Pogba, we didn't see at 16 he was running around making slide tackles and being an all-encompassing all Roy Keane type player, was, was he? <laughs> he tried to do it, didn't he, in that game? And he slid through the player like an idiot, yeah, and gave away a penalty. And he did it. And I thought, that's that shows what pressure does. Because Pogba is trying to live up to something in his head that he shouldn't really be trying to live up to. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy that gives away the penalty because you're going to make us lose the game. Go and play your game that you're comfortable with and forget oh, about Bruno the, the But he wasn't the only guy. Play. Exactly. He wasn't the only guy. They all tried to do... You know the Luke Shaw tackle? Right, the Luke Shaw yeah. tackle that you should have got a red card for. Yeah? yeah, it's a tackle from behind, it's a dangerous tackle, endangering an opponent. It's a red card. How it got given as a yellow is Bermuda, just and I don't understand it. But Luke Shaw did that because at that moment the pressure got to him, and that's yeah. that showed for the whole United team. It wasn't just one player, it was all of them. And I think with Paul, I, I don't think we'll ever see the Paul Pogba that Man United fans want to see because. I don't believe that he can be that player because he's not that player. He's not a leader in that sense. He doesn't pick teams up and drag them along. He didn't do it at Juventus. He didn't do it for France. You know, he won a World Cup playing as a defensive midfielder and he scored the goal in the final. He plays his game and that's what he does. And United fans will never give him that overall credit for it because, you know, he's been in Premier League teams of the year and people have said to me, oh, he's rubbish. It's like I was saying there that Ole's record's not good. It's, it's revisionism. So he has played well for United. And that guy said to me again on the other podcast the other day, can you name six games? And I went, what's against the throwaway thing? Has he played more than six games well for United? Uh, I probably think so. But that's not, again, it's, it's just someone's opinion about a player. Uh, you have to look at facts. He needs to play better, like all of them need to play better. But for me, I think the issue is fitness. I think all of them are miles behind other clubs with fitness. When we played Brighton the other day, it was our fourth game of the season. 
when we beat them 3-2, and it was their ninth. That matters. Fans don't want to think about that, but it does matter. Yeah, absolutely. And also, look, like I said earlier, it's the agendas. Bruno's been poor for a while now. I mean, he finished the season poorly. He was knackered. We all know that. They were overplayed, and he hasn't played well at the moment. I just, what frustrates me, Rob, is that there's just a different standard for him. And I'm going to move on to this player as well, Maguire. There's obviously a different standard for Maguire. What I've seen today on social media, I'm sorry. Look, I I'm going to start off with this. I didn't what want to explain it because I haven't seen anything today because I don't okay, look at social so media. Explain like. it. So there's, there's, there's a video going around of when um, Martial got sent off. You've seen this, haven't you, Dale? Because you're smiling. And basically, Rashford's shouting, saying, Look, that's not a red. Go and check it. And Maguire turns around to Rashford and said, It's been given. Leave it. Now, yeah. fans are going in saying he's a rubbish captain. I mean, I don't think he should be captain, if I'm being honest, but he's a rubbish captain. Um, look at what a disgrace the club. Worst player that United have ever signed. Um, you know, he's, he shouldn't be, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, he's just a joke. All these sort of things. I mean, I don't want to start swearing because a lot of the words were that. But the point is, right, I, I didn't want us to sign Harry Maguire, but there's no doubt that he's improved United's defensive line. 80 million is crazy. It's, he didn't choose the price tag, but he has improved United's defensive line. He needs a better player next to him. We all know that. He's had a really traumatic experience that people are completely downplaying. I'll come to you first, Dale. I know Rob Scott wants to talk about the sort of mental health side of it more, but you know these things need to be taken into account. Players are humans, but the problem is that United's fan base love to have a scapegoat. You know, it used to be obviously it's Pogba. It used to be. Um, Smalling, Jones, you know, all these players have been scapegoats. De Gea started to become one. United's the only fan base I know that pits Martial against Rashford, Bruno against Pogba. We've got fantastic players in our squad. Why can't you enjoy both of them? I don't understand it, Dale. Like, I don't understand it, Rob. And it makes me so angry because people were saying, oh, they were com comparing Pogba to Bruno last season. There's people that don't like Bruno because they like Pogba. I mean, what, like, what is this? Can, and can you, you wonder why Manchester our fan base United had Messi and Ronaldo? <laughs> If they had bought Messi and Ronaldo, they, they still wouldn't be happy. They still complaining, team Messi, team Ronaldo. No, look, it's just it's that's social media. There's no really way to 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 explain what why things happen the way they do. But Maguire, yeah, I, I think what happened in Greece definitely might have a factor on it. But if it does, if it does have a factor, and Soldier keeps selecting him, regardless of what other defenders he has, that's not good either. That's not good on the player. It's not good for results. Because right now, so or Harry Maguire, um, I'm beyond the stage of making excuses for a partner for him. Because the way in which he's performing, that's all that's all I'm assessing right now, is not a top quality centre back. He hasn't got one beside him, but he doesn't look like one either. And 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 these are really yeah. the we have to look at the mistakes in which are being made. Some of these mistakes aren't being coached into players. They're very, very, very basic ones. And Maguire is not the only one. Let's not forget last season when we came back from the pandemic and everyone was talking about how Victor Lindelof was a terrible defender. From that stage, when we came back to the end of the season, if you watch every game, Harry Maguire was worse than Victor Lindelof. Was way worse. So this has been Massively going on questionable, Dale. Massively this, questionable. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I don't think so. This, this is going on a lot longer. So if you have a top quality centre back beside Lindelof, I expect better. He's not a top quality centre back. You know they could have gotten for a lot cheaper the season before they got him for the Rafford and forty million. They could have paid before that World Cup. They didn't take it. Following season, what was it? Eighty million and. 
Yeah. You can't keep making excuses for Harry Maguire. We, oh, he needs a partner. He needs a partner. There's times where I think Victor Lindelof needs a partner, and he's not very good either. The fact of the matter is, United have not signed a top quality centre back in 14 years. Nemanja Vidic was the last one. He wasn't really yeah. known. But that's 14 years we're talking about without a top quality centre back. It's just. And I, I don't want to just pick on Harry Maguire. I, I, I do believe if there was a better partner there that we would be seeing better performances. But I do also really, really think that if he's a top-quality centre-back, then we're seeing better performances and we're not. Fantastic points. Rob, I'm going to let you jump in there. Uh, yeah, I, 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 things like, is he a top-quality centre-back? Do I think Harry Maguire is world-class? No. No, I don't think he's world class. I think we need, again, terminology. You need to kind of throw a lot of it in the bin and kind of just make the assessment in a more scientific scientific way in terms of what are Manchester United when X, Y and Z are fitted together. Um, I think Harry Maguire has been playing terribly at the start of this season. I think the episode that he went through in Greece has completely destroyed him. I don't know the guy. But I can imagine that the mental health aspect of that is crushing. And that means that you make mistakes on a football pitch. That means you lose your leadership. That means you lose all the things that make you you. Yeah. Uh, the reason why Harry Maguire got the armband last year is that Ole and the whole squad were 100% behind the fact that he was now their leader in the dressing room. He was the calming influence. He took a bunch of kids and he was an experienced head and said, you know what? We've got to win by all costs. But you know what? You don't have to do it by tearing each other apart. So that was why he was given the armband. So it depends what you just think is leadership. I've not seen that video yet. But quite often, the captain is the guy on the pitch that tells someone who's losing their rag that you need to calm down. So he's only doing his job. He's trying to be the manager on the football field. And that's what Ole would have said, wouldn't it? Ole wouldn't have said, go on, Marcus, get in there. You know, he wouldn't have done it. So we have to be careful about uh, Maguire because, again, the answer is time. And I know people don't want to give time. I think when you look at Lindelof's performances going back into the Mourinho era, he has proved himself that he's not good enough. Yeah. And I think that his pace is a problem next to your £80 million centre-back who has also got no pace. So you have to decide that you get rid of one or you get rid of both. Yeah, I think that's kind of the way it is. So you're right, Dell, in the sense that you can't defend... Maguire's poor performances in the same way you can't defend Pogba's poor performances. But it's not always the kind of the answer at the end of the question because the question is some, quite often something completely different. I think if you gave Maguire the correct partner, that Maguire would then become a better player. He would be then the ball carrier that he was at Leicester. You've got to remember, I, I was at the World Cup, yeah, luckily enough working, and we saw a lot of Harry Maguire and he was voted one of the best centre-backs at the tournament. And the reason was that England was structured to allow Harry Maguire to kind of carry the ball out and to do Harry Maguire things. And he did that at Leicester. And then he came to Manchester United and he's kind of expected to do everything. He's the guy that has to run the defence and he's the captain now. They're, they're big responsibilities. But he's responsible for his own performances. He will know 100% he's not playing well enough. But the temptation is that when you're the captain of Manchester United, the temptation is to play. Yeah, I think he should be taken out of the firing line. And the problem is that if he gets dropped for the next game, what happens on social media? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's Ali's exactly had enough. I don't even Ali's need to. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and, so what you're effectively doing is killing your player publicly when you're probably not even killing them behind the scenes. You're probably behind the scenes pat patting his back and going, we will look after you. And that's what Manchester United have always done as a football club. They've always looked after players in adversity. They've played them. <laughs> they've allowed them to play. When Eric Cantona went and jumped in a stand and kicked the racist, you know, Fergie didn't say, get out of my football club. Fergie flew to Paris and had dinner with him and said, do you know what? I'll back you because I believe in you. And we all believed in it. But you know what? United fans then, even that long ago, wanted Cantona gone for that. Almost en masse. Not one Just United no fan was going. Not one United player was saying. Not one United fan was saying. Oh yeah, let, let's keep him. Most were saying he's jumped in the stands. He's got to go. So I look at it from. I try and be balanced with it. And I just think with Maguire that, that he must be going through things that we can only imagine. Like we've all been maybe through bad times in our lives where we've had depression or we've had things that are, where life is too much. And I tell you what, if you feel you're going to die in a scenario where someone's getting you on the ground and you believe in that moment that your life might be about to end, or you might end up in jail for a really long time and lose your career, I think that might affect you. And I think that that's where Harry Maguire is. He's came out, he saw his interview, didn't you, when he afterwards with the BBC. And yeah. I think that showed how vulnerable he is because he was trying to put a brief, brave face on it. He was trying to say, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm innocent, blah, blah, blah. But then he did kind of say a few times, you know, this is, this is the worst moment of my life. I think when someone says that and admits that, then you've only got to dial back what humanity is. And I don't think that football is probably the most important thing to him at the moment. And that's, to, that's then what's the problem? What's the problem with the fans? Because I just don't, I, I completely agree with that. They're neurotic. I like to look at it. They're all just mad. I like to look at it. I like to look at it as, for example, look, I'm judging him solely on how he's playing. I think Dale's in the same mm. thing. He's not playing well enough at all. And that's what you need to judge him on. And that's what I do with any player. Like, at the end of the day, if they do the business on the pitch, that's yeah. all that matters to me. It's not for me to judge what goes on off the pitch. But at the end of the day, fans just completely forget it. And it's, like you said, neurotic. It's, for example, he's the worst thing ever. He's this, he's that. You know, and it's just, like, it's so toxic. And you imagine, like, he, his family were on social media. I know his sister's on social media. His mum's on Twitter. I've seen his mum around on Twitter. Yeah. Imagine reading this abuse that your son's getting but I, 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 the, the, the irony of it is is that if we knew that he had a messed up ankle right say he broke his ankle and played terribly for 20 games mm -hmm. everyone would say oh he's got a messed up ankle that's okay you know he needs to get fit nobody thinks of mental health like that for some reason so that tells you a lot about society rather than just football fans because nobody's saying that he's got this this injury here they're also, if, if you had a problem with your ankle, you'd get sort of, Marcus Rashford has been awful for a number of months because he broke his back. He had two hairline fractures of the back. Yeah? yeah. So we can say, well, that's probably addressed to that. We're not saying, well, Marcus Rashford, you know, hasn't got the right temperament or anything like that. Marcus Rashford's not been through anything terrible off the pitch, but we can equate physical injury to poor performance. We don't really equate mental issues to poor performances. And I, I've done documentaries on this. I've done, you know, I've, I've done stuff with, with uh, TV shows where we've looked at mental health with footballers and it's a minefield. These players have so much stress and strain. They're really privileged. They get tons of money to do their jobs. But when you get up in the morning, how you feel is not dictated by those things. You don't wake up and go, oh, I'm going to earn under a grand this week. So I'm all right. It doesn't work like that. And I think with United, there is that, there is that issue sometimes with individuals that, you know, someone like Maguire wants to perform for United, wants to be successful. So he's going to push himself to go out on a football field. And sometimes it's up to the management then to say no. But it's the same for Ole, isn't it? Ole's temptation is, do I play Maguire? Or do I play Lindelof, who I don't feel is good enough? Or Baye, who can't pass the ball five yards out from the back? So you, you, you sometimes stick with what you know because... 
that's the bigger picture. And, you know, we talk about Bruno, they're not playing well. Would I play Bruno in the next game? Yes. I don't care. He's not playing yeah, well. Go out on, go out and fix it, Bruno. If you're not playing well enough, go and fix it on the pitch. Paul Pogba, go and fix it on the pitch. All you can do is use your sports science to tell you if a player is ready. And that's what how managers pick teams. They use the sports science in training to say, right, is this player physically ready to go and do it? I think the issue is that most United players are not 100% fit. They're not there mentally or physically at the moment. And United are going to have to get through this bad period. And fans if fans won't understand. It don't, you know, we're sat here going, will they understand? Can they change? No, it's not ever going to happen. So the debate on that with fandom, it doesn't change. Because if you're 12-year-old sat at home on your phone and nobody knows who you are and you're tweeting away and you're, you know, slagging off players, you're young, aren't you? You're, you're how it is. But do you know what? 50-year-old men do it as well. I know that for a fact. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Dale, I'm going to come to you for the last sort of word. I'll come to you after, Rob. But surely uh, it's time now that Axel Tunzebi, now that he looks like he's going to be fit, it's time for him to step up. And it, it really is, you know, a huge opportunity for him. I'm a massive fan. I, I've watched him in the academy. He always stood out. One, he's a leader. He was captain all the way up. Two, he's got the, you know, the attributes that would be perfect next to someone like Maguire. He's got pace. He's got aggression. He's good on the ball. He hasn't really disappointed when he's played. Injuries haven't been kind to him. It was fantastic at Villa. They ended up getting promoted. He was very key to that. It's time now, I think, that we see Twins AB come into the team and play some games, isn't it? Absolutely. But that was last season too. And unfortunately, injuries um, to, to destroyed that. But I, I remember three or four years ago, I was um, at a preseason game. United were playing Sampdoria. And a lot of the talk around the club the Fozu Mensa was there and Tunzebe was there, but a lot of talk was about Tunzebe. Uh, and for years, people at Manchester have been really, really impressed by him being, being the next thing to come into the, the first team. And I really do hope I echo that kind of optimism about him. Uh, everything I've read has been really, really positive. We even talked to people at Aston Villa. Uh, of course, they even got me back a second time and got promotion with him in the team. But I just think he's been very unlucky. Um, and I really, uh, fingers hope, uh, fingers crossed that this season he just gets a year of no injuries and can play football because I think a lot of people might look back on what they're saying right now about United's defence and go back on their word if he got a good run on the team because he is that, he has, does have that pace, he, he's able to read in, in defence, he's a really good player but just so, so unlucky. Um, and as well as that, you talk about young players coming through and they all want, they're all praying for that one chance in the first team. And for so many young players at Man United, you have James Garner and they, they've no other choice but to, to go out on loan because one, they need game time. And, and two, they're looking at the players Man United are signing, the players they already have in the squad. And for Garner and other midfielders, Bruno Fernandes, Danny van der Beek, Paul Pogba, it's a very, very difficult way into that team. But you look at centre-back. Tonzebi has such a great chance. Again, depends on fitness. If he stays fit this season, he's our starting centre back. And and yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree agreed. that that I agree that he should play. And but but again, let's let's just dial back a tiny tiny bit. Before he got injured, he did have a run in the team. Do we all remember that? Do you yeah. remember what it was? Yeah, yeah. And United like fans, bit, United it? fans slaughtered him. He made a mistake yeah. in Europe. Right, he had left back. I was at the game, it was right in front of me. He did a throw in, it went inside, it came back to him. He played it back towards a defender to Lindelof, I think it was, and they scored. And United fans for weeks went after him for that. So we've also got to calm on those things because I agree with you. I think Two and Zabi is one of the answers, no doubt about it. When United talk about Two and Zabi and they talk about Mengi, 
they're two players. The same word gets used to describe both, and that is leaders. Yeah, that's what we hear all the time. They're leaders, but they're young, obviously. Two and Zabi's older than Mengi. I love them. United are hot on them. I think that they are the two guys that I would like to see move forward. The reason why United didn't go and buy a centre-back in this window was because of Tuin Zabi and Mengi. So I think we will yeah. see them get given chances if the other guys can't raise their games. If Lindelof and Bailly and Maguire continue to be poor, then I think these two guys will get chances. But there is a risk factor in it because if you put two young centre-backs in and they play well, you get you get plaudits. If, you, if they don't play well, you get told you're a terrible manager, you should never have picked them, and why have you not gone and bought someone for £80 million? And you so, destroy their confidence. Absolutely. And, and that happened them. with Tuin Zabi. Tuin Zabi got ill right with a mystery illness in the season. We don't know what that was we have no idea um they talked about it a little bit but he did also get injuries as well so before that in terms of when he was in the team and he got a ton of criticism and was told i heard talk radio talk about him he's not good enough shame on Solskjaer putting this kid in <coughs> you know you've got an 80 million pound center back go and buy another 80 million pound center back uh, we can sit here as journalists and kind of say we believe that the right route is to put him in but there is a risk to it still and, you know, you either go with your experienced heads and believe that they've got the opportunity to turn it around, like by like Lindelof, like Maguire, or you go wholesale and go young. Last year, Chelsea put Tamore in, and for one month, Tamore was their best player, yeah? He got man-of-the-match performances. England, I think, got called up to the England squad, yeah? And it was all yeah, like, he's your, he's your answer. One year on, they're talking about, been in tomorrow and chucking him at West Ham on loan and he didn't want to go. So things do change really quickly in football, even if you've got a great kind of upside to your talent, um, because it's always about your last performance. I hope Tuin Zabi comes in. I hope he gets a chance and I hope he plays well because I would love to see him, you know, have a, have a whole season to have a go at it. But then United fans might have to admit and hold on to the fact that it means that you don't get near a city and you don't get near a Liverpool because you're blood in youngsters. Are United fans ready to admit that? My personal opinion, think, my personal opinion is no, I don't think they are. I don't think they have any other choice in the matter because even if you start Lindelof and you start the more experienced ones, you're not going to catch up with City and Liverpool anyway. Yeah, yeah but so, do you know what, Dale? So, Dale, the second that I, I tweet about Lindelof and, and I'll do some technical bits and say he's not good enough, I get a thousand tweets from Swedish, Swedish United fans going, you hate you hate him because he's Swedish. You know, so it's difficult because this this is how the lay of the land is. Like we, We're asking for something that isn't there. It's trying to get blood out of a stone. So I always think of it like if, if, if Tuin Zabi comes in and plays well, then everyone's happy. If he comes in and plays badly, he's suddenly the worst defender in the world. It's Harry Maguire's fault. It's uh, Solskjaer's fault because he's not hard enough on the players. He can't coach the players. Look at them. They should be playing three at the back, four at the back, five at the back. It's all rubbish at the end of the day. Those things are not not the reasons. Just to clarify, Rob, you did like Zlatan. He was all right, yeah. He was okay. Yeah, but do you know what? He wasn't the right sign-in. I did no, like him. No, I bought no, a Swedish. No, no, do you know no. what? I got given a Sweden shirt. He's trying to make out that you're not, you don't hate Swedish people. <laughs> yeah, the funny exactly. thing was, right? Someone said it to me once, right? Because I got accused of being not liking <laughs> Swedish people. For, I don't. I don't know what for. I had as, as I got given a Swedish shirt, a Latin shirt, by a friend of mine who might be watching today. Hello, Ben. And uh, and he gave it to me. And I had Ibra I got Ibrahimovic on the back, and I wore it to Old Trafford one day, right, to a game, and someone was like. You got a Sweden shirt on. I thought you didn't like Swedish people or something. I was like, oh my, oh my god. god. But this happened. <laughs> but is this a you, thing? You have to you have to ignore it. <laughs> I don't give it any credibility because it's ridiculous. I was thinking only yesterday, do you know what? 
a Cavani number seven Uruguay shirt might be all right. I was thinking that. I'm not going to go and buy one. <laughs> but I was thinking it because I'm a football fan like we all are. And I was thinking, I like yeah. that shirt. That might be a nice shirt to wear one day out to, you know, if you go out down the pub or see your friends or something in non-COVID times. I was thinking that could yeah. be good. But the point is, is that the, the common football fan does look at, we all look at things differently and opinion is opinion. And we might have, some opinions are not always equal to others. I always say that. But that doesn't mean we're snobs at the end of the day. You just try and be a bit calmer about stuff. And I don't go to sleep anymore worried about Manchester United because it is what it is at the moment. We can't change a lot of this stuff. I just have to have faith in the manager. And if the manager doesn't get the results, he will get the sack and then Pochettino will get the job. That is it's as clear as day. That's the way it is. They wanted Pochettino before. They didn't get him because he cost 30 million quid. That's why that didn't happen. And I don't think United could have got him out of Tottenham at that point. But I think Ole, you know, people say he's not good enough. I, I never know what that's judged on because I know 100% it's not judged on, say, the last year of results. Because if it was, then he kind of proved himself in a year. Didn't mean the football was the greatest ever, but he did change that team. They did play different Rob, systems. Rob, they did have different put tactics. Yeah. Put it this way. The best football played on since Fazorak has been under Oli. That, totally. That's a fact. And the the happiest squad has been under Oli. Totally. Fans, okay, maybe divided, but they they're more happy with Oli than they were under Jose or LVG. What I will say, I think what most people judge Oli on purely purely is his his CV, which is again probably unfair and and also fair as well in, in some yeah. aspects. I think that's what it is. But it'd be like, I mean, say, guys, it'd be like me question. judging you, Hader, on it. Like, if I said, oh, I'm not bit taking your... I think yeah. you're really good at what you do, Hader. I really do. I said this to you the other day. Yeah. yeah? If I was going to hire you on your CV, I probably wouldn't. So that's the, it's the wrong yeah. way to do it, isn't yeah. it? It's the wrong yeah. way to look at good stuff point. because we all want opportunity. I came from a non-traditional background in journalism. Yeah, I had to go through blogging and all of those things. If if I wasn't judged on, on me or what I do, then I would never have a job in this industry. It wouldn't happen. Dale's exactly the same when he started his website. So, you know, it, you, you sometimes have to dial back those things and think about you know cvs don't they're a bit of paper that's got some things written on it and for me i just judge ole on a year's worth of results and i think yeah. he needs a little bit more time than three games sorry mate go and ask your last question yeah very very fair no that is very fair guys this has been amazing it's nearly an hour and 40 minutes but it's been one of the best podcasts i've done two great guests but look last question i come to both of you i'll come to dale first but again united's fan base cavani's been given the number seven shirt and I tweeted earlier today, and I'm getting people sort of saying, no, it's a problem. It's number seven shirts, prestigious. Who cares, really? I mean, at the end of the day, it's a one-year deal, firstly. Secondly, if there's a player that actually I would, I think who could do quite well in the shirt, it is someone like Cavani, someone that comes with a bit of pedigree. You know, you just have to talk to, the, you know, the, uh, the South American journalist I spoke to yesterday. He said, these Uruguayans are tough. You know, they're, they're produced to go and play abroad at the ages of 10. 11 12 they are tough as it comes Cavani will not be phased he's much more deserving of it than Michael Owen than Valencia I'm sorry to say Sanchez even although we thought Sanchez is going to be great but um Dale do you have an issue with Cavani being the number seven shirt I mean I was disappointed really. because because obviously you know we want Sancho in it but does it matter yeah, that, really that, that's, that's completely different you were disappointed because you were hopeful that Sancho will come in and get the number seven shirts completely different as for Cavani getting it look whenever someone gets a this number seven shirt people pick it up it's open a new chapter for Cavani now it's a new chapter forget about Ronaldo forget about Cantona he hasn't kicked the ball for Man United yet you know it's a brand new chapter this number seven shirt now is his we'll see what we're gonna do with it just like 
I think the the guy from Uruguay is number twenty seven or is he twenty eight? One or the other. Does it make a difference? Is he going to go and make that that shirt now iconic? That's the question. And just on that, because what what really bugs me is when I won't go, go on too long. Is when we're linked with targets and our main target, Jadon Sancho, you have Alexis Sanchez, you have all these other players that we signed and. The circus that comes with that sign, okay? It's months and months of bigging up this player, big videos when they come. So that player almost seems like a Man United star slash legend before a ball is kicked. So then when a player comes, this is what Rob is alluding to in terms of what they see in short sales and all that. But then when a player comes, that pressure is crazy, right? He has a bad game and it's one or two... Um, first appearances, and then all of a sudden it's a flop. There's no player coming to Manchester United and saying, right, you're not a star yet. You need to go and become one. That's what we lack. And players come and and, and they don't seem like they, they, they want this shirt and all that. It's because the whole the whole circus, it's the whole circus, the club. We big up players before they even kick a ball. And that's why people on Twitter are arguing because they don't think Cavani's Ronaldo or, or Cantona or Robson. No, he's not. He's Edson Cavani. This is a new chapter, and hopefully, fingers crossed, we're talking about a new iconic number seven, but it's only a start now. Well said. Rob, I'll give you the final word on this. It's just such a FIFA generation thing that we've been talking about. It doesn't matter, does it, really? I couldn't care if he wore number 99 on his back. Just well, I don't care about those things. You know, as a football club, we obviously have a, a tradition with the number seven, but the number itself doesn't make the player. The player makes the number. So ultimately, you know, we haven't had a number seven since Sanchez. And to carry that number, I think, is a weight on your back. Like, for instance, I think it did ruin Valencia. I think the second he took the number seven shirt, he was told he was something else that he wasn't and he couldn't live up to it. And I think that hurt him. And that's why he gave the number up. He actually gave that number up. I think he got that in his head that it was hurting his own game in terms of his confidence. Um, (sighs) Numbers and shirts are about money and sales. That's all it is. It's about Adidas. Yeah, it's not really about winning things. Um, we heard very early on that Cavani was going to get the seven before the deal was done. We'd heard that. We knew that. Um, it's a commercial reason. It's to sell more shirts in South America and also in Asia. Uh, and that's the that's the truth. And if fans think it's something else, like I've seen, to, I did see yesterday some reactionary stuff from other channels saying it's a dis- it's a disgrace that he's wearing the number seven. Well, what do you want him to wear? Just don't don't give him a number then. Give him, make him number fifty nine or something or whatever. It, who cares? We've got to judge him on what we see on the pitch, and he could be the guy that comes into the team. And I, and I believe that that front line does need experience. I've said that multiple yeah, times. So if, if you don't get Sancho, so you look to an experienced head. I think Sancho. I think um, Cavani for a year or two is a pretty good option. Like for two hundred grand with a break clause in the contract obviously for 12 months. I think that's pretty clever. I think that's a good bit of business. If you're a businessman, it doesn't mean that you have to be massively excited about it, but can you imagine if he comes in the team and scores a hat-trick on his debut? What are we going to hear on social media from these people? What are we going to hear? We're going to, it's all going to be good. Revisionism again. And and that's the worst thing about football is that people, we can all change our opinions. I say it all the time. There's people go back 10 years in my tweets and look at my tweets from 10 years ago where I said, I think Tom Cleverley should be playing for Man United and all this stuff. You know, you can be wrong about stuff. It's okay to be wrong. 
Um, but when you kind of go one game to the next with people, and I think Cavani will be that kind of divisive figure where if he scores a hat-trick, everyone will love him. And if he has a game where he doesn't score or you know has an injury, everyone will be like, oh, he's old, he's old. And it'll be like, right, okay. None Here of those things... Again. Yeah, none of those things are, are, are accurate. It's just, it's emotion. I know football is based on emotion, but things like numbers and stuff like that, people have to just take a step back sometimes and listen to themselves. I read some of my old tweets from 10 years ago and go, what? You idiot. Like, what? You've... And because some of them were more emotional because I wasn't, I wasn't uh, a journalist like I am today. I was more of a fan 10 years ago writing blogs. And I was more emotional and hyper about certain things. Now I kind of look at it and I've worked with footballers and I've worked in the industry and I kind of think to myself, I did actually, just to finish it, I did actually speak to a footballer a couple of years ago about something, about numbers. And I remember saying to him, because uh, he, he was like one of the top 10 shirt sellers in the world. And I said to him, how do you feel about that? And he just looked at me like that and went, I couldn't give a you know what. And I went, <laughs> and I thought, and I asked him, I said, why is that? He went, he went, because... I don't make any money out of it. I just don't, it's just it's a number. I like that number. I've got that number. I'm all right with it. If I don't have that number, I still play football. It's like, and I, and then I thought, do you know what? You're right. I get that. It's it's not a thing. It's not like Michael Jordan wearing 23. Do you know what I mean? And, and Brian Robson is my ultimate number seven, my hero. One of my shirts is the ones I wear with Robbo on the back with number <clears> seven. I don't really think of it like that. I just want to see players play well. And I think exactly. I think Ole's got a big job ahead of him. And if he fails, he gets sacked and it won't number who's wearing the number seven. It won't matter. You know, doesn't matter who's wearing the number 11. doesn't matter who's wearing number one. That doesn't matter, does it? It's just about players doing their jobs and United hopefully climbing the league now in the weeks to come. The, the, sorry, the, on, the only number that matters this summer from signings coming in is Danny van der Beek's because there's actually a nice meaning Correct. behind that. Yeah. Nice. Well, mean, that's that, that. That's the only um, squad number we should be talking about. There's actually a story behind that, a pleasant yeah, story totally. behind it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And Dale as well with that number. What was ironic is what we knew again. I I broke that the week before it happened because we'd heard that he was going to wear that number. and We knew the story, so I wrote about it. So we broke that, and the, all the response from United fans, like not across the board, because I think it's you can't tarn everyone with the same brush, but lots of it was he shouldn't wear that number. He should be wearing the first team number. He should be wearing what? one of the first 11 numbers. You know, give him, really? the, give him this number shirt. Yeah, totally, because United fans don't want to wear that number on their back. If they go and buy Van der Beek on their shirt, they want one of the primary numbers. So this is what this – it's a game. So they were like, you know, he should be wearing the number – a lot of people said to me, get rid of Pogba, give him number six. He should be the six. And it's like, well, that's not going to happen, is it? Because Pogba wears the six and these things are bad. I like why uh, Donny chose that number. I think it was I a really it. good – it's his friend and there's something about it and he's wearing that for a reason and he's not the only one obviously his peer group who play football professionals all wear that number and i think that's cool i look at that and i think you know what you're human beings they're your mates and you're backing your mates that's that's part of what football is isn't it we back our mates but i look at it and kind of think there is a bigger scheme to it. i bet united didn't want him to have that number yeah. United would yeah. have gone. Oh, are we good? Is that going <laughs> is to affect your shirts? Yeah. It might not affect our shirt sales in Holland, but that might affect our shirt sales in Japan. So, what's the issue here? So, for me, I think 
football fans have to kind of step away from the politics of those that kind of stuff, strategies with numbers and one thing or another, and just look at performances. I think we can criticise Harry Maguire for his performances. I think that's valid, 100%. I do think there are reasons for those performances that I also think are valid and also need discussing when we talk about if a bloke is kicking a football up and down a pitch correctly. There are other reasons. Absolutely, guys. We've got to wrap up. One incredible podcast. One thing I will say, and I'm also a uh, probably uh, guilty of this as well, is that don't be a prisoner of the moment. Okay, don't judge on a game by game basis. Myself as well. Okay, so I'm not taking myself out of the equation because I can do this, and Rob's pulled me off a few times. But stop look, reading my script. All... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Look, we all want United to do well. That's what we all have different um i guess we prefer different things we prefer different players that's fine but at the end of the day the goal should be united to do well and anyone that doesn't want united to do well unfortunately that's a really toxic trait and i don't want to say you're not a fan because it's not for me to decide but it's not good for the fan base so I'd look say, rob you're not I'd you're not a fan if you don't want man united to win yeah. i'll say yeah, it i'll exactly. type it to the yeah. fan base everyone Fair watching it yeah. if you don't want man united to win because you've got some other weird agenda get out of the football club stop supporting yeah. it if you don't like the glazers leave you know if you don't want to protest and do it properly leave you know so yeah I, but we see it all the time don't we the toxicity and i've seen people like smile when they say oh united lost and they go and they go oh really right, you're, you're happy about it are you then and, oh yeah loads loads do you know what you never see it at old trafford when we walk out of that stadium we, we have lost Everyone has got their heads down. We're yeah, all depressed down, yeah. as anything because we're football fans. We love United. We want to win. We want to see success. Exactly. If you if you don't do that, you watch it through a screen like you're watching us now, yeah, and you think there's a good thing that United have lost 6-1 because you like Mourinho, get out. I block everyone out, that yeah. does that to me. When they tweet me that, I block them immediately. So when they say, yeah. I love Mourinho over Man United, I go, all right, and go and support Tottenham. Bye. Yeah. Block. Exactly. And what I will what I will say to that, some Jamie Jackson asked me yesterday, said, you know, even though you're it was just a question posed, because obviously he knows exactly what's going on. He's a journalist, as like like Rob is, you know all the journalists know what's going on with the owners. He goes, You'll never change. I say, I'll never ever change. We've seen seven years. You know what? We laughed at Liverpool, but we're nearly at a decade of not winning the title. But that doesn't mean I'll love United any less. What yeah. I feel at the moment is apathy because I feel like I'm not surprised at what's going on. But guys, we've got to wrap up. Rob. As always, thank you very much, mate. I always enjoy talking to you about United and just generally everything. So cheers for coming on today, mate. Cheers. Thanks a lot. No problem. And Dale, first ever appearance. I'd be delighted to have you back on if you are if you enjoyed yourself today. If not, then uh, make sure you hit five stars on the, on, um, the Apple Pod store. <laughs> but thank thanks you for having much. me. Great being on. No problem at all. To all the listeners, make sure you give Rob a follow. You can see his at handle there. We'll put Dale's in in the description. And when we retweet out tomorrow, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Hopefully they can both come on again and we will see you.